it's such an interesting case study right now. And I think we all wanted to talk about it because when do you have the intersection of global pandemic, Bitcoins and crypto mining coupled with a new uh, console gen? There's no threshold to wait for things. Um, and that's what fuels the scalper market. That's what fuels this incredibly high demand is that people need it right now. You're listening to Bitbytes. Thanks for joining us. What have we done with our lives for the last uh, two years? What has the world done with its life for the last two years? It kind of feels like everything's been on like double fast forward. And then it's like, oh, yeah, we haven't done this in a year. Maybe we should. (laughs) Which was prompted by us going to see Dune together. Yes. Maybe there is something to that whole like the flow of the real world and like seeing people and stuff like Mm. helps facilitate getting things done and seeing people and stuff. Mm hmm. I don't know about you two, but I'm just, it's been shame that's been keeping me from this podcast. <laughs> what do you mean? I haven't played any of new games since the last episode, so. Just been Genshin for two it, it's years been Genshin. No, one year. One year. Oh, okay. We, we got together at the beginning of this year, right? That's okay. true. That's true. So. Yeah, I haven't played it myself, but. I've heard lots of things. You can't take people's husbandos and waifus away from them. You must give them more. <laughs> they all come with a fun elemental kind of twist. Yeah, they, they've got me on that subscription service. So, yeah, they're getting my money. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that, though. The sinkhole that is my video game life. But I think what you said is an interesting factor about, like, that's the only game that you've played. Mm-hmm. I don't know if everybody else has been uh, checking out what the uh, gaming market has been lately, but there's been a little bit of a scarcity in terms of like whether it be AAA games, indie games, kind of across the board, everything has kind of taken twice as long Mm -hmm. and just the games in general just have been kind of a little bit fewer and farther between. And I think there may even be a case for when games are releasing right now that they're even buggier than what they've been in past releases. So do we say thanks, pandemic? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think all the developers are saying saying just that. (laughs) Yeah, just think there's there's been nothing. It's not like Genshin is so good that I haven't, you know, wanted to play anything else it's just there's been nothing else that i wanted to play it's such an interesting case study right now and i think we all wanted to talk about it because when do you have the intersection of global pandemic bitcoins and crypto mining have been around for a while but like the uptick on that like the numbers of that have just i mean you all know if you follow the news how drastically that grew coupled with a new uh console gen release like both xbox (laughs) Which yeah. one is it? Xbox, Xbox 5000. Which one? S, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And then the PS5. Uh, and then I don't know what Nintendo's doing with their freaking OLEDs. Um, and plus, you know, I, I, you have vested interest in this, but like the Steam Deck is something new that's coming out. Don't that's, you don't don't you even do that. Yeah, I'm I got go that there. email and my heart soared and then it sank very quickly. And then it sank again when they de- delayed it again. I'm so, so sad. Yeah, I think we just wanted to talk about it. Like, I don't like video games have always been so accessible to just go out like oh yeah like yeah there's always the crowds that would go out in the holiday season try to get the lowest prices but like it is a year into the release of the ps5 and i only just got my hands on it after like actively following people on social media and getting in queues online to buy and hoping a scalper doesn't take my place yeah like that's crazy that's never happened before like the closest in my life that have come to that was like the Wii launch, <laughs> like trying to get a hands on the Wii, but hey, if you didn't get it for the holidays, you'd probably be able to get it in a month. Like, no big deal. So, for those that don't really know what's going on, um, as far as this shortage that we're talking about, um, basically, this chip shortage that's happening across the world is affecting hardware for video games, for consumer electronics, for vehicles, for um, for PCs. So this is all like, you know, oh, rich people can't get their computers. Oh, no. But here are some of the, the kind of some of the stuff. The hard facts. The hard facts. Yeah. 
So the CEO of NVIDIA, which is by far just, they're the largest manufacturer of graphics processing units for computers. So they make your videos go. They're saying that the, the demand is forecasted to far exceed supply, at least through 2022. Apple uh, reports leaving $6 billion on the table in sales f uh, for 2021, which in the grand scheme of things, again, people who buy expensive trucks and cars that are coming out won't have seat warmers, maybe. Yeah, that's uh, it's like boohoo, no seat warmers. But I think that that's another interesting intersection of like the electric car scene like really started blowing up in the past year but now it's like oh is that going to get pushed back now like the accessibility of that because of the, the chip shortage that point too uh, like even Teslas now are coming or being delivered to people with missing items because of the chip shortage like missing USB ports like there's the holes there and everything mm -hmm. but there's no actual connection do you imagine spending that amount of money on a car and then it just doesn't have oh, yeah. USB and you've been in like the queue oh, you've been oh, in yeah. line to get your car, your model whatever for like years and you get it's like oh sorry the USB port doesn't work and then one last thing the thing that's relevant to us here at Bitbytes is <laughs> Uh, oh, electric, electric vehicles aren't relevant to us? You're not driving the latest Tesla? I'm not. Machine? I'm driving a Civic <laughs> until it gets run into the ground and dies. Oh, okay. Because I have had other cars that have... Oh, you know what? That's a whole thing. I'm not going into <laughs> that. But isn't there, like, in the Teslas, isn't there, like, video games that you can play? <laughs> in the like, even The Witcher on there? What? I feel like Witcher, <laughs> The Witcher 3 is actually no, on there. No, wait. I thought it was Skyrim, because wasn't that the oh, joke? Skyrim, Skyrim is released on everything. <laughs> The absolute irony of CD Projekt Red partnering with Tesla to put their game like built into... Oh my gosh, it's too much. Anyway, sorry for interrupting. You guys should go and check that out and see if that's an actual thing. Oh my God. So Tesla isn't actually Delamain, but it's about as close as it gets in real life. Um, okay, so into 2022, Nintendo is saying that Switch production is down by 1.5 million units and Sony says PS5s are down by 1 million units and they cite the chip shortage as the reason for those numbers. May not sound like a lot, but for some context, even though, you know, times change, the Wii U isn't exactly super relevant anymore. But in total, that sold th 13 million in its entire lifetime. So if you're shaving off like one to two million units, that's actually a pretty good chunk of potential sales there. So from like a manufacturer perspective, you know, they have to consider this and they have to figure out other ways to make money, microtransactions. Um, and then... The original Xbox sold 24 million. So there's some some context for that. Yeah. Well, and I also wonder too, like with that statistic, is like how many people are like the ratio to people who actually own it, who are using the consoles and people who still have like stockhouse of those units that they've upselled to or upcharged to, you know, people who want to actually use it. I mean, this is also another interesting intersection of, okay, COVID hits, we're all stuck inside for long periods of time. Oh my gosh, those damn kids are so annoying. Let's just sit them in front of the TV on a video game. <laughs> Maybe I don't have kids, so I don't know if that is accurate. Um, but I can imagine that it would be really tempting to, if you hadn't already invested in a video game console, to do so during this the past couple of years. So if it's like, if we, if I, uh, avid video game player, have to wait a year to pick up my PS5 and only being able to do that by like actively searching for it, um, like I can't imagine the, you know, casual parent buying, wanting to buy something for their kid, being willing to go through that, you know. I'm also curious to know, like in past releases of consoles, I feel like in terms of like the whole exclusive games and all that kind of stuff, the big hot ticket items that push the sales sales of uh, consoles is really not here this time around. It's like a lot of people are like buying these consoles for like one or two hot ticket items. Um, and Xbox didn't really have items. Hmm. Uh, we won't talk about that right now. Yeah, it's like there's no really first party games on the PS5 that I needed to buy right away for. I feel like though, 
not to get too much into this, I think Sony did a little bit better where they had kind of like PS5 versions of games that existed. And so you get like some quality or value out of that. Yeah, they would do like the upgrades. And now every time I buy a new game that's like for the PS5, they always give me the option of like you could get the PS4 or the PS5 version. Or if you buy a game meant for the PS5 on the PS4, they automatically will give you the free upgrade for whenever you end up getting the PS5. Like, I like that acknowledgement of from the company of like, we understand it's really hard to get our console right now, so we're not going to hold it against you. It certainly sounds better than like, hopefully Halo will be good in a year, <laughs> but here's this Xbox right now. <laughs> um, something that was interesting too that I forgot, that I completely forgot, and I don't remember if they honored it, but I remember when the PS5 first came out and the first games were coming out, they were $70 instead of $60. I thought we agreed we don't go over 60 <laughs> I thought we talked about this. Apparently Sony didn't listen to us. <laughs> well, guess what? It doesn't matter how much games cost because you can't play them. Yeah. You got to have a console have to play those console. games, don't you? So, okay. So here's the deal. The drama with this for either parents who are buying trying to buy consoles for their children or for sweaty adult nerds who are trying to buy consoles for themselves or their loved ones. This whole chip shortage is wildly exacerbated by the hardware requirements to constantly do mining for cryptocurrency. It requires a large quantity of GPUs because they're being bought en masse to do that. They can't be integrated into game consoles or to upgrade PCs, which, by the way, is like the intended architectural purpose of those things existing. They're kind of just being retconned for mining, but I digress. And I mean, that adds fuel to the fire of the is is that is Bitcoin like and all of its ilk worth it? Like, I mean, it's a whole it's a whole conversation in and of itself, but like. In this instance, it's so frustrating because it's like this hot fad right now that may or may not exist five years down the road or be as valuable and is destroying our environment isn't even going towards like a hard product that people can use. It's like, yeah, it just it kind of feels like for people who are live on the plane of existence and reality that we do that all of those GPUs might as well be being thrown into a giant volcano that will then fuel Bezos like wiener missile that sends him into <laughs> space on a trip. Like it's just such fantasy nonsense to me. Like, yes, you know, there is a real actual reason that those things are being used, but it feels kind of like, you know, a science project or something like, you know, my money isn't real either. It sits in the account and I can look at it, but you know, all it takes is a little hack of duty and then I have no money at all. So it's like, it's that money is just as real as Bitcoin in a sense, but Bitcoin isn't universally traded as, you know, you're not looking at stocks and Bitcoin currency. So it just kind of feels like there's all this resource, like actual material stuff that's being burned for something that isn't even like it's popular yet zeros, it's know? another yes. money making scheme like right now it is because it's not legitimized yet by i don't know maybe some government out there does but, but it's like, so expensive to get off the ground yeah yeah well there's like even like it's a whole other rabbit trail of a story but like facebook's branding changed to meta mm -hmm. and like where all that's going is are you gonna join it we you love vr it's the natural VR. step into the... It's like the VR and crypto mining age meshing into one weird hybrid child. <laughs> I just imagine like a Cronenberg type monster <laughs> with like a giant meta yeah. logo on the forehead. <laughs> I can't. Um, it's definitely appealing, but like I feel like in order... Because those things demand so much time and energy... And actually using VR to build things and to, you know, increase your value in the, the land that you own and the things that you do. Um, for me to really, like, get on board with it, I, this is me right now saying this, but um, I would want VR just as an immersive medium to be a little bit further along um, than it is right now. Because, like, it's not bad, but it's still, it's still not... 
as easy to spend, you know, hours upon hours as it would be, you know, if you're sitting on a couch, you know, playing, you know, Genshin Impact. Genshin Impact <laughs> with the new uh, Horizon when it releases. No. But yeah, I, I can solely see the reason why Facebook is, they, they're investing in that. They're, they believe it's going there and they want to get in on it and fuel it, which is sad to me. But So all this to say that right now, from what everybody's saying, that we're in the thick of it right now, we're in the kind of the worst of it. And I think there's a point to be made here as well, that because there's just this unprecedented chaos really is what's I feel like is happening um, people are not I feel like putting the interest of the actual consumer who's going to be actually using these things to what they were really intended for it's not enough anymore just to put out the console like you got to make sure your <laughs> enthusiastic audience that wants to play games can actually get their hands on it like it's like <laughs> Like protecting the demand part of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't, where you see in the industry, like the places that are doing the best versus the places that are failing in terms of like retailers. Well, so I want, can we start with the game companies themselves before we mm -hmm. go to retailers? So I think. Start at the top. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so to me, I think game the reason I want to start here is because game companies actually have a direct incentive in my mind to try to get consoles in actual people's hands who are going to use the console as in plug it in and make an account and get a subscription and buy games on it. All of that stuff, like in terms of the making console hardware and getting it out to people, it's made at an incredible loss. Like they're very cheap relative to what it takes to make a single unit and there's economies of scale or whatever, but it's still a loss. The thing they really make the money on is software. So like regardless if you're buying hard copies or not, whatever, that's kind of phasing out. But for game companies, like they don't, I can't imagine that it's profitable or good for them to have a, you know, like, you know, shaggy bearded scalper with like 200 PS5s in their garage and none of them are plugged in. None of them are tied to accounts. None of them are making that company any money. So obviously that incentive at least exists on paper. Uh, I'm not sure how hard it is to implement systems that actually work. But Jesse, you were able to get a PS5 earlier this year and it was directly from Sony. It was Sony selling it and having like sending out, they would send out invites or have special, like you had to have a PS account and like a network account. So like I'm part of the subscription. I get that invite to get a, even a place in line to potentially buy it. It wasn't through Best Buy. It wasn't through Amazon or wherever. It was through Sony. Um, so thanks, Sony. <laughs> that kind of raises an interesting point is are people who develop these games, like I'm thinking more of like the actual publishers versus like the individual developers, uh, studios themselves. Are we going to see more of kind of a return to you go directly to these sellers who are providing the product versus like a third party re retailer to get all of your stuff because you can't get it anywhere else. I mean, it certainly seems like there's a competitive edge to be had if you were to invest in like your distribution model. And if you were to support uh, like some kind of system that ensures things get to individual people and start making you money. And granted, that's like a whole nother, okay, even, even if that exists somewhat for Sony and Nintendo, I don't think it's a primary part of their business. Mm -mm. So they'd have to kind of like beef up at least in a digital space, similar to the way like a retailer has a presence and have that like customer support and all those things that come with that. So it'd be quite an investment, but if you could do it and you could do it successfully, I think it could be a huge differentiator for a game company to be able to provide that. Yeah. Like they never had a reason to do it before. Like, Oh yeah, let's just write off the backs of other people's systems. But now that they're being forced to somewhat to get their product out there, I could see that them having a larger role in their own distribution. Also going back a little bit to like the incentives for um, these manufacturers to actually 
get <laughs> their devices into consumers' hands instead of a scalper's crotch. Like, I'm just think sorry to keep bringing it up, but I only have my limited experience so far. But like with Genshin, free to play, right? It is on consoles, but it's all it's mainly most of their money comes from mobile and PC. Mostly mobile, actually. It's like game companies or developers, publishers who are making those types of games. And like the mobile market is so massive, like compared to us, like and compared to like the typical console game. Like what's to say like, okay, we're going to stop supporting consoles. If you, if like our numbers are so low on consoles, like what's the incentive for them to, you know, develop on them? Like just, I could see that pushing mobile into an even stronger position. So personally, I, I hate the sound of that, but it's so true. Like, if you just think about Apple as a company, they don't have a console because they don't need to have one because they have their phones and they make so much money off of the mobile games on their phones. Mm-hmm. It probably surpasses what Nintendo and Sony make, honestly. Yeah. I don't so, know what the numbers are. But. Like, even though this one is free to play, it's you're right. Like so many of like the console games you play, they don't make their money off the one time software. They make it off of the subscription service to the network that yes. the game pad. Yeah. Like all the DLC, like... <laughs> Well, we played when the pandemic first started, like that first March, um, Animal Crossing New Horizons came out. They are still making, I think they just announced their latest and last update, but they may have been making updates to that game for free to be blue bought that game for two years. Like for Nintendo, that sort of blows my mind a little bit. Um, but it's like, okay, well, what, what was it in it for Nintendo? Keeping them on that. Um, paid what two dollar a month service? I will say there's a caveat to that because their latest latest DLC, I think, um, you have to you do have to I think you have to buy. Oh, so you get two years of investment on your island, and then if you want the next upgrade, it's don't you have to buy into the yeah, the upgraded online? online? Yeah, it's quite expensive actually. It's like here's your your twenty dollars. Oh, guess what? It's sixty dollars now. Well, I'm going to say that I have a friend who was the most invested in this Animal Crossing game for the longest, and she put so much love into her island. When that new update came out, she she got on it. So it's it's a, at least a success in the one case I know. But um, yeah, it, so all that to say is the incentive there for not just, you know, to make their money off of all the subscriptions and stuff, but it's also all the third-party game developers. Like, that is their main money-making model, and they're not going to get it if people aren't using the playing on the consoles. So. This is a little bit of a side note, but I, this is just a thought that kind of came to mind as you were talking about just, you know, the costs and everything and the lack of, like, physical copies and everything is like this whole idea right now that we're in a place where you know electric vehicles are being pushed globally across the world to make that shift from vehicles because of the whole climate change and everything and i wonder if that's also maybe not significantly but playing into part of the reason why we're not manufacturing physical discs or cartridges or you know that sort of thing as much really anymore because we're trying to less of a reason but trying to get away from you know harming the environment so what you're saying is if we all embrace the digital reality that is a fantasy, then we could save the real world. <laughs> we take the burdens off of Mother Earth by sitting in our rooms playing VR all day. If that has a positive impact in the slightest towards the greater global warming crisis, I'll take it. But I have a sneaking suspicion it's more about how how big was that latest Halo game? Can you just can you put that on a single disc? No. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is technology being made too, where they're drastically increasing the size of what physical discs can hold. <laughs> or we'll all just go back to cartridges. <laughs> so if we're taking the Xbox or the Microsoft model. You're not really tethered. Now, granted, if you want to play the game as, like, the developers truly made it in its native, like, resolution and, like, max settings and all that. That's going to be $800. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But the entry point to actually play, like, um, and have a smooth experience of, like, 1080p, which is kind of like the the base, you know, standard which you uh, start from. 
you don't need a console. All you need is a mobile device, um, a Game Pass subscription, and you can stream the game to your phone. Okay, Phil Spencer. <laughs> what is this brought to you by Microsoft? Oh my gosh. He no, has you're to right, balance right. out you're my totally Sony right. shilling. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but also to the point too of just like having to shell out, you know, this money for it to play like a game that, you know, is fairly demanding if you want, you know, which is what us PC people, you know, the reason why we buy these, you know, massive machines is so that we can play the games at the latest graphic fidelity, the highest frame rates, and um, with whatever peripherals we want to use versus being tethered to, like, a controller, you know. You want to feel like you're (laughs) Spider-Man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It is interesting to see how, on the other hand, how retailers have reacted to this in real time. And I want to start with saying that I didn't 100% have my eye on like a Switch OLED, but I did stay up the night that it came out and I was like, oh, you know, if they do the midnight thing and I can grab one, my original Switch, I got it like right when the Switch came out originally. because I was like, oh my God, it's my dream console, which it is, but I don't think I necessarily have treated it with the most kindness that I could have since then. And it's taken some beatings. Um, so I was like, yeah, if there's like a upgrade or whatever, sounds cool. And I was not able to get one. And then the next day I was not able to get one. And then a week later I was not able to get one. And I was kind of doing that like thing where I had all of the major retailers pulled up. So it's like a Best Buy. A Target and Amazon. Target, Amazon, uh, Walmart. That's the one I was thinking mm-hmm. of. You know, they weren't available for purchase, but then they started to come up and I was Game like. stop. Sorry. Wait a minute. That's obvious. <laughs> GameStop. GameStop won't exist pretty soon. Wait, what? GameStop has been like teetering on the edge of No, I know, but it's been like forever. that for like 10 years. What's changed? What's different? Uh, the inevitability of time continues to shift oh, okay. forward. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, anyways, so yeah, so like I've got all the like retailers' websites pulled up. So in the first week, it was like there was just no stock of anything. And then it started to pop up that like, oh, I can buy one from Walmart and Best Buy. And I don't know that GameStop does this. So I'm not going to put their name in the hat, but Amazon for sure. Amazon. Yes, for sure. They do the third party reseller through their site and they have like the, you know, you can like go and look at the rating of this person or whatever, but it's hosted scalping. So it's you like, can wow. buy it on Walmart for $300 more than the retail price through Hibben Hut or like what is this place nobody's ever heard of it because it's not a real thing it's just somebody hoards it in their house and then they ship it out to people for $300 above the MSRP it's like okay this it's just host like you are literally creating a space for people to be funneled into your retail store and then just have like scalpers like think about if that was a physical setup so like this entire experience of trying to I'm not again I need to chill out because I'm not like super upset that I don't have an OLED. Oh, no. It's it's fine. But listeners, super upset. It's happening. (laughs) Yeah. But so like if the digital storefront was made physical, it would be you wait in line all night. And granted, you get to be in air conditioning, which is pretty nice. But you wait in line all night. And then when you get, it feels like you're starting to get to the front of the line or you're to get your turn. It's like the stock counter goes from like full stock to zero in a split second and then you see like a bunch of robots carrying out like you know 200 of them at a time just single robots and like sprinting away towards their masters and then it's just like oh okay i guess we never had a chance it's that whole system i don't know i I feel like the like trying to visualize that as a actual physical experience really helps solidify how like it's only a few people who have like automatons working for them who are taking all of the stock out before you you know you actually no, no no but just stay there stay there for another day because those robots will be back to resell from inside the store again yeah at least like in the past, you if you wanted a scalper situation, you had to make your way over to Craigslist Alley and <laughs> try to find the dude with all of the consoles under his 
trench coat. And you're, <laughs> that's disincentive enough, right? But now they're, the Craigslist bust is like parked in the Walmart parking lot. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Walmart sponsors it. <laughs> yeah. It's brought to you by. Another interesting thing. Uh, there was a limited edition um, mini fridge that I wanted to get. And the mini fridge was a Xbox shaped mini fridge that was a limited edition from Microsoft. Sold only through Target. Uh, it was a hundred bucks. Um, now granted, I missed the actual date that they were released, but I went the day after to go and see if you know I could go and get one and they were all sold out. And there were ones on eBay for $1,100. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's a comical markup. Like, were people actually buying it for that much? I don't know. That's absurd. Going, bids going on eBay for 1100 bucks. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. <laughs> for a freaking mini fridge. Yeah. But like, why don't you just get a black mini fridge and draw a silver Sharpie X on the front of it? <laughs> it's like, come on. I know what to get George for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, it's not even hardware related. It's like, but the fact that it was like gone, like immediately like that. Now it could be the fault of maybe Microsoft, maybe they didn't make it enough units or whatever because they didn't expect, you know, demand to be so high. But I want that mini fridge. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so like the reselling is one thing and it's just like this, you know, absolutely just soulless, immoral thirst for, cause you know, it's like the, these major retailers are taking a cut of whatever the scout business is, but then you got this other brand of intervention on behalf of Best Buy. And I feel like this is not, this is one of the first iterations of this, but I could see it being easily duplicated in other places. So Best Buy has created a like exclusive membership, premium membership, whatever the way you want to describe it. You do have to pay into it per month. And part of the deal is that you get exclusive member access to specific stock items of which on that list is the PS5. Mm-hmm. And so kind of gating that behind a paywall. It's like, I think on its face, it's a way to try to combat scalping because it's like, okay, you have a single individual who has a specific account and it's verified or whatever. And then we can keep track of like that person bought one unit and we know that they're good or whatever the limit, the cap limit is. But it's also like y'all are taking a membership cut until you can get stock to somebody, which presumably then they would just cut off their, the deal. But well, it's like, okay, so they'll protect us from scalpers at a cost only if it makes them a profit. Essentially. It's all about right. the dollars. It's all about the Benjamin Franklins. You bet. Yeah. Life is money. I mean, I guess it is like, would you pay $1,100 to a scalper or would you rather pay like for four months of a $5 per month membership fee to get your fancy mini fridge? Like essentially, right? Is that None what? of the above. But yes, like that's, like, those are the <laughs> options. Even though, yes, scalper is like outrageous price, you're more or less guaranteed your item. Whereas like... And a lot of these like raffle drawings and like stuff, you're not really guaranteed what you're going to get. You're guaranteed it for a cost. And that cost is sort of questionable depending on like you don't know when your turn will come up to buy it. Just kind of dangle the idea of it out in front of you until you're... Online retailers will have like lottery um, pools that you can Mm -hmm. like enter into in the hopes that you'll get called Mm -hmm. to be able to purchase at a retail price like MSRP. But my experience and the little experience that I've seen from like other people is most most anybody doesn't really get that. Yeah. Is that how it worked for you with your PS5? Was it a lottery or, you know? No, it was a queue in line. So I'm sure there were like hundreds or thousands of people that like entered at the same time. So in that way of whose Internet's best or who has the best connection that could get in first, like almost that first second or two is like the lottery right there but like i entered on like three different devices and stuff and two of them just were luck, and one of them got in so it almost is that way too Mm -hmm. it is like a lottery yeah i don't know i feel like 
eh, it may have a, leave a bad taste in your mouth, but the whole Best Buy subscription to be a member pro or whatever, people are so, I so much less, um, I think, put off by subscription services now. Like, I think people are more easily able to swallow a long-term low-cost per month subscription than a one-time high-cost purchase. Maybe that's just me, but like... I don't disagree with that, but it's just kind of like what value are you getting out of it, regardless of people's like how acclimated they are to that. I don't want to get into a whole rant about how like all these subscription services that exist now, like you don't own anything, you just rent access. And then as soon as it gets cut off, you have nothing. Um, That's a whole thing. But I think in this instance, it's almost extra insidious in my eyes, even more so because you don't even rent anything. You just get to have, you get to get into a special line, and but you're still in line. Yeah. So it's kind of like the, uh, I feel like we're always name dropping stuff. What is it? AMC does the A-list? Oh, uh, AMC A-list. AMC Theaters, where we make movie moments AMC amazing. Sort of like A-list a little bit, but you don't get discounts on the on like the regular items that you want only the things that best buy says you can get discounts on Uh well a list is so much better though because it's like it's up to you to use it but you get three tickets a week yeah that's what i mean like that's an actual value proposition hard you get something for your money that you own and Mm -hmm. you can use at your discretion versus this is just like you have elevated technically access yeah. and we'll see what happens yeah. just still, like it was before. Still scummy, but at least it's, it's something, you know, it's like a Hulu's paid subscription that still gives you ads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> well, if they're like the mid range, we're doing something, but we're going to make a profit off of it and still sucks. What, what's the, what, what's the company that's doing it the best? Uh, I am not going to butt kiss Valve because <laughs> for so many reasons, they're a giant corp- soulless corporation. Um, I feel like on paper, at least, I think the way the Steam Deck pre-orders are being handled seems to theoretically not minimizing scalpage, but definitely not maximizing scalpage. If that's a, yeah. if there's a difference there, I know it's kind of splitting hairs, but um, I'll quickly read off this little tidbit just so everybody's on the same page in order for you to be eligible for pre-order quote your steam account must be in good standing and located within uh all the major countries of which there are only five you must have made a purchase from steam prior to june 2021 uh new accounts or accounts that have never purchased anything will not be able to place a pre-order steam deck pre-orders are limited to one per person and in that way trying to ensure that people who are actually See, this is the thing I was talking about before where like Sony and Nintendo, it's like y'all want people to have your hardware and be actively using it, buying software, doing subscription stuff. I don't really know that that exists directly to Valve subscription stuff. Is that a thing? Hmm. I don't think so. But if you have a deck, it's like, oh, well, I just got a deck. I'll just get a couple games. It's like, okay. And then all this like selling at a loss that they're having to do with the Steam Deck, it's got to be made up for with software. So this kind of having the system in place is good for valve and also just happens to be good for us to get access to steam deck faster. So, but again, like this is all in theory. We don't, we haven't actually seen this roll out yet, so we'll see kind of what happens with it. But, but like, isn't that the most ideal setup? Like we haven't seen an action fully yet. We don't know if it'll work, but like, Proof, proof that, hey, this is an active player who's invested in your company. Yeah, you get a you get a reservation, you get a slot. Not someone who just recently created a free account to get their hands on one. Yeah, it's kind of like, is that a really difficult thing to do? I don't know what it looks like internally for Valve to ha- kind of have that queue system set up because like people have to verify that I assume like actual human beings have to go through crazy amounts of information and make sure that it is for realsies what it is and not a bunch of bots and you know I don't know whatever. I mean I feel it, correct me if I'm wrong but I think Nintendo if you've ever like bought through their site directly just this is pre-pandemic but like they limit your your purchases like per household like 
even though that's an, an extreme exaggeration, could there potentially be like a space where, you know, let's say something happens where the chip shortage got worse? All of this would get exacerbated and then there would be more criteria that people would have to in order to get said game or hardware or whatever. In a, in a way, those kinds of things in some sense already exist that if you have an elite set status, you get certain items. That's a whole other rabbit trail of thought and, you know, it could create a whole other episode on that. Yeah. Um, but oh, yeah. long story short, it does exist, even though it's super small in moderation right now, but could be exacerbated. It's more like in-game rewards for doing stuff. Like yeah. the latest Gen- Genshin uh, event is like, you could get this free flying skin thing. It's, a, it's just a skin. If you go watch a Twitch user that's registered play this game for two hours. Like that's crazy. That's crazy. Like (laughs) to get this in-game playable thing. All I'm saying is it could bleed more into it could, um, this doesn't get better. There's something bigger, I think at play here. Cause right now the demand for like electronics consumers is that is at a, like an all time high. Um, and it's a, it's a rat race to try and get, you know, what you want, how you want it at a reasonable price. Um, games are being delayed, you know, everything that's going on with the pandemic and then games being released in less ideal States. People are getting angry for me. I feel like the, there's going to become a time potentially maybe in the next few years where there's less of a craze for electronics and that it will in fact swing the other way. Hmm that there won't be that people's attentions, whatever, you know, their interests are is going to swing in the opposite direction. Like for me right now, it's, I feel like it's already kind of starting to happen. Like I even, I've just bought a tablet that, um, is barely a tablet in the sense of like, yes, it has a battery and, um, it has somewhat of a digital screen, but like it can't, surf the web it can't um go on social media it can't all it's basically dedicated to doing is just like making notes um and making that you know writing a bit easier and i'm finding that more and more with just how i'm interacting with my technology is that i want less and less not more and more and to that point as well i feel like the whole big contributing factor is that where we are in a society right now is everybody has to have everything. Now there is no threshold for patience. Now that's not for everyone, but I think just as a whole, there's no threshold to wait for things. Um, and that's what fuels the scalper market. That's what fuels this incredibly high demand is that people need it right now. And there's no space for waiting for that because it needs to be immediate. Yeah. Bezos, arch enemy is patience there would be no amazon <laughs> it's true though oh uh, yeah it, it's not it's going to be a force thing now with a lot of electronics because of the shortages it's not going to be a willing thing but yeah that could be the incentive towards- especially with it like being if it's going to theoretically last upwards through 2023 that we're in the thick of it right now and it won't get better unless it starts getting better now I feel like there's going to be a lot of incentive for people to think about just how, you know, they're interacting with their, you know, electronics and the time that they're using with all this stuff to maybe that might shift. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be such a high value on experiences. Um, once people are feel more comfortable going out into the world again and yeah, it's people were stuck inside with their electronics to rely on mostly and now that might not be the case soon hopefully so i've kind of felt the i haven't gone back to the middle ages like you have but i did go back (laughs) to like the early 2000s and i got one of those um like chinese manufactured kind of say the name Pow Kitty. Pow Kitty. I got the, I got, listen to the name of this device. This is for real. The Pow Kitty RGB 10 Max. Oh. That is an actual name of it. It's not a, a skew number. Um, so yeah, it, uh, it's great. Cause it's like, it's always offline cause it can't go online and 
patrolled games on it and I can play my Game Boy Advance stuff. And it's just, it's, I think relative to even just like playing something that's an offline game on my computer and just it being very relaxing, that's cool too. But I am hemorrhaging data to some company that they can use to later then target me. And I'm online with like, you know, my friends can chat me on whatever the 50 things I accidentally left open. And it's like, Oh, discord this and steam that. And Hey, guess what? Look at this. Blah, blah, blah. Aren't you depressed? Here's some more of that. Um, along with my phone, which is always sitting right by me and everything else. So I think there is kind of this, uh, George, you were saying, I, I, I am kind of joking, but there is this like distaste for a lot of the things that have become so normalized in the past 10 years. I feel like it's really accelerated in that time frame. We're like, I don't, I don't want to sound like too crusty already, but like when I was younger, it wasn't like this. Like you just, you, you go to the store, you get your console, which is pretty readily available. And then you buy your hard copy of this little cartridge and you stick it in your Game Boy Advance SP and you go to town. It was a very like clean transaction in that way. You buy things that you own and then you keep them. And then it's not like you have all these strings attached or like there's these secret things that are happening and like all this like boogeyman stuff that's constantly going on. And I wasn't trying to be sold microtransactions and there wasn't a premium subscription upgrade. It's like here, this is it. And this you just play that and you be happy. And I think even the something that's like tough for me personally, where I feel like I haven't, um, got into game pass or any of that kind of stuff. It's too much. Hmm. Like I kind of like the scarcity in a way of like, Oh, I have like these couple games and I get a lot of value extracted out of them because I only have those to play. Hmm. Um, that was something that like my little brother and I, when we were growing up Sonic adventure two, I don't think, I think you guys are familiar with this, but like they had the chow garden in that game. Which yes. Is, yes. Yeah. Which is like, I think now if you have like a whole library and Sonic Adventure 2 is like part of that, you'd play like maybe you'd make it through the camp. Not now, but like at the time you would have made it through the campaign because it was whatever. Uh, it was fun. But then the chow garden is like, oh, it's this add on thing and it's kind of gimmicky. No, actually, it's very deep. Actually, it's quite the game within a game. Mm. And because it was one of the 10 games that we owned on GameCube, we played it to death. We were trying to optimize our chows and get them to win all those races. You know what I mean? (laughs) And they're breeding them. It's like Pokemon within Sonic. It's pretty cool. Um, And that's not to say, like, people should be playing more Chow Garden, but, like, I think there is something to the simplicity of that that has kind of an appeal. I think there's, like, a space now for people. You did a great job setting this up, George. I'm basically just agreeing with you in a really long-winded way. But there is a, a huge market now. I feel like if you could do something that was a lot more, like, clean, simple, we're not trying to do anything after the transaction takes place and we just hand over ownership and walk away. I think there could be a lot of success with that. I think part of the reason to your point of, you know, these games were simplistic because the medium was still very much evolving back then. I mean, it still is now, but much more so, you know, 10 years ago. And, you know, for us, life was a little bit simpler. We didn't have bills. We didn't have jobs and all that kind of stuff. And so, in a sense, it's like, and I, I'm only playing Chow Garden all day. <laughs> I don't have a job. This is my job. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just like there's not other things that are pulling you away, demanding of your time and and stuff. And so life, in a sense, is a little bit simpler. Um, but I think there is also like kind of a balance too of like where games are now and and making that model of like this is what we're giving you, being enough to kind of check the boxes of today's like what we consider as a whole to really be fun and engaging in a sense, but also in that simplistic model of this is the whole package. There's no other DLC. There's no microtransactions. It's just, that is everything. The end all be all just like, um, fall in order. Yes. Mm -hmm. There's a whole package right there. And it ticked all the boxes of great game, great gameplay, great story. Um, single player, 
but it was an end-all, be-all thing, and it was a fantastic game. Is that I never played that one. Is that the kind of game where you can like play it in short sprints if you wanted to? It was the story following the character, and it was what did they call it? It was like um, Dark Souls lightish, yeah, sort of. It, it, the whole thing though, it is like those older like first party. Slower games. combat, slowing things down. It's not quick, 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 quick. Zoom, zoom, zoom. It, it's um, just like you're, I got it for the for the story mainly. Um, but y'all know that's my deal. Um, but yeah, it wasn't like oh we're gonna add this new world if you buy this DLC package and he'll go on a side story to that world. It wasn't like that. It was you can get the the macro lightsaber crystal <laughs> add on. <laughs> That has Jeff Bezos' head on it. Yeah. It's in the shape of Jeff Bezos' head. <laughs> Limited time and only. it's a rainbow lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I could just see a rise and not even... I don't know. Games will still always be there, but it, it was like you are saying earlier, just like compl- a, a stepping back from, okay, yeah. if we can't easily go to Target and get that game off the shelf or that console off the shelf, like... I'm not going to kill myself to do that. I'm going to go do something else. And I don't know, I'm curious if that will affect, this will affect the video game industry long-term. I think it's already happening because the games that are be the massive AAA scale multiplayer type games that are being released are unbelievably buggy. Yeah. Like very unfinished, very like not polished. Takes a year and change to get them to what I guess more or less they were supposed to be. Um, but even then, they're not always that. And I feel like that's happening more and more and more. I think people are already starting to get really ticked off about that. And so, at, you know, as far as which way the boat is going to rock, I don't know. But there is going to be more emphasis, I think, on whether it's simplistic. I don't know how they're going to solve because that's the kind of conundrum right now is like there's these massive visions for these games because the demand from gamers to these developers is getting much higher. Yeah. They're having to create these bigger and bigger things because, you know, that was what was, happened last year. So we don't want that anymore. Um, and so at some point, you know, people can only create and produce such, you know, grand experiences that you're going to have to, you know, Expectations are going to have to come down. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen, uh, I guess the, the numbers for the latest call of duty are not great. And the latest battlefield are also not great. Yeah, those um, are the ones that came to mind. Um, the both, because speci- I don't know about for call of duty, but for battlefield is like, looks cool and all that stuff, but it was a bit off more than you could chew kind of thing. And that there's, Oh, we call that a cyberpunk 2077. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's also like a great example of just like making something that's way too big. Um, that's kind of beyond what, even with like a large scale team, it's just not feasible. So my, uh, my pathetic little lizard brain has started playing Skyrim again for like the 5,000th <laughs> time. You won't believe this, but I have actually also started. Yes. Oh yes. Awesome. Okay. So you'll appreciate this then. I'm sorry, Jesse. This is not an <laughs> inclusive comment. I apologize. But something that I'm realizing about Skyrim is that it also had this problem. So when Skyrim first came out, I played it on the Xbox 360 and it was a nightmare. It was like loading screens that lasted for literally like upwards of eight plus minutes. Like just going from a short distance to another short distance was like sitting there. Oh, I'm going to go make a drink while this game loads. Literally. Now it's like, it happens in less than a second. Um, you know, it's, they've redone everything visually, redid the lighting and everything. Now it looks great. You know, it's still janky Skyrim, but it makes me realize that like that game was technologically more advanced in terms of like the scope of the development. And like I was playing it the other day and I was like, hey, Jesse, look at this. And there was like an ox like up like four miles up into the sky and then it just like slowly fell and died. And it, was, it wasn't because I interacted with it. It just it fell. Just like- <laughs> yeah, because that happens. So it has obviously it has issues at Skyrim, but yeah. just now. 
it has fully realized this technological, like the the mold of when that game was developed versus like the technology to actually support the vision of the game just now is happening. And it's like, what is that game's like 15 years old or something? Yeah. So I, yeah, it kind of, I, I, we talked about this in another episode, but I'd much rather have a game that takes years to build and has years of support following its release than like a year after year, new, bigger, better, Buggier, like same. And uh, Skyrim, I mean, you're still playing it for the fifteenth time, and the it's newest such update, a good game. whatever. Yeah, ten years later, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so. it's the best that it's ever ha- has been, and like because it is there finally, I kind of wish I had never played it until now, mm. um, because it's like fully realized. It's kind of cool. Well, maybe with the uh, supply demand problems, hopefully with like more realistic production schedules in light of COVID and hopefully maybe unions will get formed. Like, and just, I I feel like it's the perfect environment breeding ground for like a more reasonable industry to come out of it. Hopefully. Um, yeah. Expectations of everyone's just lower (laughs) and, um, yeah, we're we're at the height of the craze right now and it's going to, you know, simmer down and kind of be a more balanced norm for at least for a little I hope while. So. I hope so. Well, this is the last thing I'll say um, about this whole thing too. It's like, even like I read something somewhere, maybe somebody told me that um, there's a lot of like news outlets and everything in, in the gaming space that feel like that this is the last console generation. Mm. And that, I mean, we're already seeing it now. It's like games that were originally exclusive, like a year or two later, are being available for like all platforms. Um, and I think that's another thing that's going to, you know, happen more and more that there's not going to be this like, you know, it's mine and only mine, and you can only play it if you buy my stuff. And it's going to be a more, you know, shared sp- ecosystem. Well, yeah. So, like, you know, the obvious example is the way that the TV and movie content is like, whatever hardware container you want to have our software granted it is different because games are a different beasts, obviously but the way that model set up is like oh you want to watch it on a roku oh you want to watch it on a ps5 you want to watch it on your computer i don't care do you have a subscription great that's all i care about i don't care where it is so you can still have your exclusivity in that way so you could have there's a nintendo storefront there's a playstation storefront etc there's a game pass sure um I think it would just be so much better overall if people could pick and choose hardware based on their preferences and less an exclusivity of software. So it's like, oh, I want a PS5 because I basically want the PC experience, but I don't want to sit at a de- at a desk to play. No, I picked the PS5 because it's massive and it has weird curves. That's why I picked it. Yeah, exactly. Those are definitely the main selling points. Mm-hmm. Um or the Switch. I want the portability, and that's what I care about. I don't really care about performance. But imagine if you could, at the very least, like be streaming, like server streaming PlayStation games onto your Switch. Um, yeah, that would be something. I mean, the sad reality about that, though, is that it's going to cut off large customer bases that don't have access to fast internet. Um well, um, I, I'm sorry. I have to. <laughs> I have to bring it back into the the space. Uh, Game Pass. I live at home where I have incredibly fast internet. However, like spec wise, like on paper, like um, what they say is the, kind of the minimum requirement for like a sh- to be able to reasonably stream a game is like 50 megabits a second which is kind of like the norm demand as long as you're not in like the middle of nowhere in like Arizona or something like that, you're going to be able to play and have like an enjoyable experience playing, you know, these games that don't require intensive hardware. You just need your phone. But to that point of just, you know, the entry point for that is basically non-existent. Like there's TVs coming out now in the future where Game Pass will be as an app that you can just download on your TV. Much like Apple TV or Netflix or anything. All of that though still push, like incentivize the simplification, I don't know if that's a word, of games like we were talking about earlier. Of like, yeah, just in terms of like the distribution of it. Just just like like the content itself, the creation and content of like, 
we were just saying earlier, like, you know, these games are buggy as hell and expectations are bigger and better the following year. Yeah. Like, that's not exactly conducive to everyone accessing no matter the console. It's... Um, yeah, but I think it's like, it, to me, the Game Pass model is very unique because, again, the streaming is like, you can pretty much get almost the same exact experience. Now, granted, the whole internet lag connection, that sort of thing is, you know, kind of the only caveat with streaming right now. Um, but who's to say in, you know, four years if that's basically eliminated? I mean, that's the hope is that internet access is more consistent yeah. to all. They got that infrastructure bill passed. <laughs> yeah. Spreading that internet <laughs> countrywide. Play that fiber. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like that's, to me, that's the only thing that's not, that's holding you back. Like you're not going to get a subpar experience versus if you played it on, you know, PC versus, because right now they have 1080, but they have plans to bring it to 4K. So you have essentially a machine that's a beefy PC, you know, on a server side that's streaming that game as a max resolution based on whatever, you know, device that you have. I'm sorry, your pow kitty will not get that. Oh, man. The whole Game Pass thing is like, that's kind of like the the lid for as far as where it could go is pretty like expansive versus if you're limited by just like a specific box yeah. you know, in your living room, that's all you, you can go is based on the limitations of just that. Yeah. Have you played game pass on your phone? Um, I have not. Okay. Come back when you played on your phone and see what the experience <laughs> no, 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 no. is like. I don't, I don't say that to call you out. I'm actually interested if you even want to just do it to like make me, you know, you know, satiate my curiosity yeah, yeah, yeah. as an actual human being that I know. I'd be so interested to hear, like, how consistent is it? What kind of stuff is actually available yeah. that is like realistic? That was super interesting to me. But in the meantime, uh, this has been a really fun conversation. Um, hopefully, it wasn't too much of a downer. I feel like we kind of turned things around there at the end. That was kind of sweet. Um, ushering in the collective nostalgia glass covering everyone's eyes at the same time and being like, yeah, you know what? Things did used to be better when they were simpler. Let's go back in time. Um, <laughs> but in the meantime, no GPUs for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for hanging out and we'll see you next time.